The following podcast is a She Did It and SydneyNanberg.com production. Welcome back to the She Did It podcast. My name is Sydney Nanberg, and I am the creator and founder of She Did It and SydneyNanberg.com, your self care and mindset resource. If you are listening to this, thank you because you are committed to investing in your own personal growth and development, and I appreciate you being a contributor to this community. My intention is to consistently share valuable information and lessons to help you live a fulfilling life. I want you to come here looking for inspiration and leave with the tools you need to take on whatever it is you are going after. Achieving fulfillment starts with taking the first step, and you're doing it. What's up, everyone? It's Sydney. Thank you so much for being here today and taking the time to listen to another episode of the She Did It podcast. You are all seriously so amazing, and I appreciate each and every one of you. Today, I think I have an episode that you are really going to love. I am joined by Lindsay Schroeder, and we are talking about how to follow our intuition. So many of us in life struggle with even understanding what our intuition or gut feeling is and how to use it to go after what we want in life. And Lindsay is going to bring us some clarity on this topic and actionable steps. So for those of you who don't know, Lindsay is a spiritual wellness coach and she supports service-based entrepreneurs and spiritually curious ladies to develop their intuition, align their mindset, and up-level their lives and businesses. She is also a light worker, Reiki master, intuitive healer, and she is a passionate divine feminine practitioner. In healing her own life, she found that she longed to share the practices that helped her release her childhood traumas work through past relationship issues, develop deep self-awareness, self-confidence, and self-love. She is passionate about helping women become the conscious creators of their life. You guys are seriously going to love her. So if this piques your interest and you want some valuable tips, then keep on listening and let's dive in. Welcome, Lindsay. I'm so excited to have you here today on the She Did It podcast. I'm so excited to be here. I've been like counting down the days for this one. I know I've really been looking forward to it. Our first call was super inspirational. And as soon as we got on the phone, I was like, okay, yeah, I definitely need to have Lindsay on the She Did It podcast because you have so much to bring to the table. And, um, you know, you're a spiritual wellness, intuitive business and mindset coach. Um, But for those who don't know you, I want them to get to know you, which is what this whole episode is about. So would you give them a brief introduction and let us know who Lindsay is? Yeah, of course. So my name is Lindsay Schroeder. I founded the company Our and R. I'm a spiritual wellness, intuitive business and mindset coach. I'm currently located in Chicago. And the work that I do spans the globe. I work with clients all over the world. And I really have been recently focused on supporting soulful entrepreneurs, women who are diving into their spirituality, women who like have that curiosity for the above and beyond, the more, the mindset, the that which is beyond just what we see, but into the feeling, into the being, and up-leveling their lives and their businesses through accessing the inside out. So instead of just planning a business plan or a marketing strategy, starting with mindset, starting with spiritual wellness, starting with alignment of self and what it is that you truly want and getting deeply connected. I feel like that's so important whenever you're going to take on anything in life. It really starts with you because that's how you can achieve your fullest potential. And people tend to just kind of skip over that part and go right into 
whatever it is they want. And then they end up, you know, hitting many obstacles. And then it always comes back to mindset. And I'm also a big believer in, you know, following your intuition. And I want to get into all of that and hear about your own journey with this, because I feel like everybody has such an incredible story. And you have an incredible story. You told me it last time when we spoke, and it was so you know, inspirational, and you've really created this incredible life for yourself. And that can be really difficult to do. So I want to dive into that. Can you tell us your story? And let's start from the beginning. What was life like growing up for you? And then we'll dive into the healing and everything. Yeah, so my life really started out being very intuitive as a child. So when I was really little, I remember seeing and feeling things and getting like knowing things that my parents were thinking and feeling without them telling me and I remember it getting me into trouble. I remember a few situations where like my parents started fighting pretty early on in their relationship and I would say things to one parent about the other parent and they would assume that the other one told me so then they would fight even more and I started to realize that my intuition was a burden because of that. So I started to tone it down. I didn't talk about it. I didn't tell people about it. I kind of hid it. I grew up in going to Catholic school until eighth grade, and that was a huge hurdle for me. I was getting kicked out of family life and out of religion class very regularly for asking too many questions, for stating my opinions, for disagreeing with them, for not understanding, for wanting to understand. And I just really, from a young age, started to put two and two together that what I now call intuition, what now leads my life and makes me money and helps me be the happiest, most fulfilled version of self is really what kind of held me back when I was younger because no one was ready for it and no one knew how to help me cultivate it. No one knew how to talk about it. And it was just this shunned thing. So that's definitely where my story starts is kind of boxing it up and then losing it for a while. My parents started getting divorced at nine years old. It was a really, really messy proceeding. They took five full years to get divorced. And I went through, wow. yeah, a lot of not fun stuff. I've seen every like court mediator and therapist and psychologist and all of these different people kind of interviewing my sister and I, trying to answer these questions between this these like two really fighting, really aggressive people and trying to make the right decision and seeing how manipulative and just kind of hurtful people who, you know, once chose to be together can be with each other was not enjoyable. And I stepped into a parental role with my little sister really quickly when we were at my dad's house. I was like, not her sibling. I was her parent. I was helping her do her laundry and do her homework and feeding her and getting her ready. And we had minimal supervision and I just kind of got to do whatever I wanted and it was very messy for many many years in my childhood how, yeah how did that affect you like emotionally did you have like a lot of anxiety you know because you were looking you know you were growing up yourself and you were dealing with all of these obstacles you know like with school for example of not even you know you're stating your opinion and you're not allowed to state your opinion or you're being shunned and then you had to take care of someone else who's also growing up too like what did that cause for you emotionally um 
So most of the time you would think that that would cause like depression, anxiety. And like, I didn't really get into that. I dealt with a lot of insomnia. Like I was averaging about two to three hours of sleep a night from like grade school through high school, which got really difficult and really stressful for my mom, especially. She kept taking me to doctors and they kept prescribing me pills and I just like wasn't taking them because I didn't really believe in it. But Mm -hmm. You'd be really surprised what happens when the like your favorite person in the entire world who was my little sister like needed me. I, it just happened. Like I stepped into that adult role really easily, really quickly, and it just became like survive instead of be worried about these things. So I did it and I did it really well and I'm really like proud of that fact, but I boxed up a lot of the like processing. So I definitely had to unpack that many, many, many years later, because instead of going into like high anxiety or stress or it turning into something else, I just boxed it up and did what I had to do and like barreled through. And then when I got to the point where I finally got to go to college and like be on my own and really like manage my own shit, everything started to fall apart because I had to deal with all the things that I hadn't dealt with for years. So my relationship with my sister really took a big hit because we had been together nonstop all the time. I had been taking care of her like a child. And then I left physically right. and emotionally in her eyes. So that caused a big rift in our relationship, which took many years to get us back to a really good place. And then after we got back to that good place, I also had to heal the fact that like, I'm not her parent. So then we had to adjust and turn into just siblings and just friends. And then we both had very different experiences of our parents because I took care of her so much, because I hid so much from her. So going through all of that was definitely a massive learning experience. And we're both very, very different people. So having the intuitive and spiritual language that I have has definitely been a learning curve for us because we speak very, very different languages. And then you add the nuanced layer of we both had very different experiences of our parents' divorce, of our childhood. So that's taken a lot of healing and a lot of work, which has allowed me to learn a lot and has really supported the work that I do with clients. That's incredible. So when you you went to college and you realized like, oh, wow, I really haven't dealt with any of these issues. Is that when you got into natural healing? And how did you learn so much about it once you did or whenever that was? <laughs> I've always kind of been interested in like when I was little, I thought I was the witch. So I've always had like a rock collection. I always wanted tarot cards. I've always had tons of plants around me. I've always had like a really deep connection with animals and with art and with nature. So in college, I definitely was interested in those things. But it was once I had graduated from college that I really like got into spirituality and wellness. College for me was really an opening or an unpackaging of all of the like deep, dark black boxes that I had stored over my childhood. So it was really becoming aware of the things that I had gone through, naming them, taking ownership for them. Um, You know, I'd seen a couple different therapists. I had gone to talk to different people. And I realized that I was doing more work for myself than those people were helping me with. Mm -hmm. So I started to really like process that myself, read a ton of books, journal a lot, let that come out. I started meditating and bringing that forward. And then after college, I started working for a wellness facility right out of college. 
And that kind of changed the game because that gave me access to all of the tools that I now have like really dove in deep with. So I started meditating even more. I became a certified angel card reader. I got Reiki attunements. I started seeing psychics and intuitives and energy healers on a regular basis. I started working with my own aura therapy. I started working with sound healing and crystals and all of the things and just healing for myself for many, many years. And then that's how you learned how to teach other people how to do it because you learned about it yourself and it's something that helped you yeah for a really long time I was really focused on like only healing myself for instance with Reiki um, which is an energy healing attunement that you can get the first attunements are really to work on yourself and others and then there's an attunement to become like a teacher or a master and I resisted that for a really long time I was like I don't really want to serve other people I don't want to give sessions like I don't want to become a master I don't want to have that almost responsibility or burden of bringing other people into this I'm really just so in the weeds of healing myself that that's where I wanted to focus. So for many years, I was just deeply focused on healing myself, getting to a better place with both of my parental relationships, healing, trauma, opening myself up sexually again, really coming to terms with being bisexual, polyamorous, growing up in a Catholic school, growing up with parents who didn't understand who I was, like so many facets of just having to become comfortable and happy and aligned with who I was and where I wanted to go and what I wanted from my life. Tons of questions which I had never asked myself and which most kids don't. Like we're not taught to ask those questions. We're not taught to have those conversations. We're taught to go to school, get good grades, get into a good college, get a good job, make some money, get out of debt. And like these deep philosophical questions of like, who are you? What do you believe in? What do you want? Where do you want to go? What kind of life do you see for yourself are just things that people assume you get and you understand, but like your corporate job's not really going to give you that. And your relationships don't just automatically pop that up without you having that conversation. So I started to have those dialogues with myself and do that inner work for myself. And then as soon as I started to turn that corner and really find tools and fine tune things for myself, I wanted to give it away so bad. And I started just like anybody who asked any type of question, which now I understand because have you, have you worked with human design before Sydney? No, I haven't. Okay, so human design, um, not similar to astrology, but in the same mentality, it can tell you a lot about your personality and your natural tendencies. So one of the big facets of who I am and the kind of human design that I have is that I need to be invited. As soon as someone asks a question or opens the door, then I can share all of my um, gifts and capabilities. So anytime someone was like, oh, that's interesting, would you tell me about that? That's like the greatest thing I can hear. Cause as soon as someone opens that door for me, I will like spill everything I have. I'm like, Oh, this thing you're going through, here's something that can help. And I was like giving away coaching programs to friends and family members and friends of friends without really realizing it and knowing it. And then my girlfriend actually looked at me after doing six months of deep work together. And she was like, this is what you need to be doing. Like, this is your career. This is your business. Like, 
this lights you up. You're so good at this. She's like, I've done years and years of therapy and like the work I've done with you in like one session has been more deep, has been more transformational and has changed me at a core level. She's like, and you're doing this all the time without even knowing it. Like every time we go out and you meet someone new, like these people are drawn to you and called to you and you're having these very systematic conversations about how to support their healing. And she said that to me. And I had been told for years that I should have my own business. Like, oh, you're so ambitious. Oh, you're so put together. Oh, like you would be a really good business owner. You should do it. And I had never been interested. I had never wanted to. I had never loved anything enough to like do it for myself. I was like, oh, I'll just punch in and out for someone else. Like I can give 40 to 60% and they think I'm giving 150. Like, why would I ever work for myself and take all of that on? And she said that to me and it just happened. I researched how to open an LLC, how to start a business bank account. I got a Facebook and an Instagram that very day and it just like went. I love that. So when you start working with someone, what does that system look like? Because I think a lot of people really struggle with being self-aware and being mindful and, you know, following their intuition. So what is your system look like to help people to do that? Like what steps would you tell them to take? Um, you know, if I came to you and I said, Hey, Lindsay, like I'm really struggling right now with, I don't know what it was, with something in my life, you know, what would you do? So my main, the way I work with people, like the main format that I have to offer is 60 and 90 day coaching programs. So before someone signs on for a program, we do a discovery call. So I spend 30 minutes on the phone with them on Zoom so that we can see each other and we start to talk. And I'm basically just energetically and intuitively diving in, asking them questions. I give them a few questions to answer before we get on that call. And I'm basically telling them like, okay, what would you like to shift? What's not working in your life? What roadblocks have you been hitting? What limiting beliefs do you have? To A, check in with their self-awareness and see like, is what you're saying to me matching your energetic system? Am I intuitively feeling that you're really on that same page? Are there things that maybe you aren't addressing? And a lot of times, even on that first 30 minute call where we're not even technically like coach and client yet, I'm finding these deep black boxes, which I am very familiar with those things that I had packaged up and stored deeply within myself and finding in other women. And so it's supporting them and opening those up and being comfortable creating a sacred container and holding them in a way where they allow themselves to access those things and really become aware of, oh, all of those other things that are affecting me. And so, yes, you might want to hit a higher dollar amount in your business, or you might want to get a new job, or you might want to call in a partner, but maybe there's something from your childhood you haven't been dealing with, or maybe there's a really strong limiting belief about self-worth because when you were younger, you were told, you know, your brother deserved more than you because he was a boy and not even in words, but in actions, or maybe you have massive money issues because your parents never talked about money. And so you feel that you don't get to talk about money and that wanting money is bad. And even on that first call, we can discover those limitations, those mindset shifts, those pre-programmings that need work. So then after we do that intake call, if we are a good fit, then I walk my potential clients through how they can work with me. So a 60 or 90 day format. 
And then our first call is just 90 minutes of deep diving into all of those things. So I go in energetically and help them pull out and uncover all of the areas. Like if I had a magic wand and we could shift anything, tell me all the things you would want to shift. And after that 90 minutes, I build a program specifically for them. And I think that's something that's really special about the way that I work. Even though there are a lot of themes that do cross over where a lot of my clients, for instance, I talk money mindset with most of my clients, but it totally depends when we're dealing with that and in what way we're starting to deal with that. Is that family money mindset? Is that personal? Is that with your business? Is that like the cap that you can achieve or the fact that like, money doesn't grow on trees is this deeply rooted feeling in you, or maybe you grew up very religious. And so you feel like money is the root of all evil. So how we deal with that, how we go into that energetically, and when we work with that, how we speak to that is very different for each person. So I then build them a program that's completely customized to them. And we do a blend of spiritual work. We go into their energetic system. We clear things out energetically. We'll use things like EFT or tapping. We'll use neuro-linguistic programming. We'll talk through mindset. We do a lot of action-oriented work. I think a lot of coaching programs really focus on delivering what it is that you can do and an overview of, oh, here's the five steps to how you build your intuition. But I'm really focused on, okay, here might be the five steps, but which one are you going to do today? And then which one are you going to do tomorrow? And then how are you going to use those from your personal practice in your real life? And how are you going to lean into your intuition every day as often as possible and really start shifting people's actions and realities so that we can change your life? So let's talk a little bit about intuition because a lot of people really struggle with you know, what that is, and then, you know, the first step that they should take to follow it. So what is your intuition? So intuition to me is that internal guiding force. It's like the truest part of you. So someone might uh, describe that as their higher self speaking to them, the like knowing that you have deep within you, the way that source or universe, or if you are religious, God communicates with you. So it's like the truest, purest form of guidance that you have access to that is all your own, all completely contained within you that we all have access to. And it's this driving force that if you learn how to work with it, you learn how to listen to it, it pushes you in the right direction. And when I say right, I don't mean right as in like right or wrong. I mean, right as in most expansive, most opening, giving you your truest desires, allowing you to have the life of your dreams, all of those types of things. So what's the first, like, if someone is looking to take the first steps, like follow their intuition, what's the first, how can they point out what their intuition is? Because, you know, for me, when I, I, I get this, it's like, it's your gut feeling. Like, you know, sometimes you just know certain things, whether you choose to acknowledge it or not, but as an expert speaking, what is the first thing that people, how can people become more in tune with themselves to understand when their intuition is speaking to them? So I'll say two things about that. One, um, what I would normally always start with is a personal practice. So getting someone to really start to go inward on a regular basis. And that can be as little as like one minute or five minutes a day. But starting with a personal practice really helps you to develop your intuition 
Second, I will say that customizing per person is important. So based off of what you just said to me, that you get gut feelings and that you're already aware of that, what I would recommend you do might be a little bit different because you've given me a piece of the puzzle already. So if I had a client that said exactly what you said, I would tell them, write those down. Every time you get that gut feeling, especially when you get that gut feeling and you don't really acknowledge it, you know, when you have that moment where you're like, did I know that or did I not know that ahead of time? Like, did I think that? I would encourage you to write that down because then what happens is you start to compile a list, either in the notes on your phone or if you're a pen and paper journaler, write these down and start connecting those dots. So every time you have that intuitive hit of like, oh, I'm watching TV or, oh, I'm driving down the street and I see this number, oh, this thing popped out to me. And then later, an hour later, two hours later, the next day, that lines up with something. Oh my God, that makes sense now. That's why I saw that. Oh, I knew that. I knew that was going to happen or I felt that coming on. When you start to put those together, like you're saying, your gut feeling, it helps you lean into your intuition. It's much harder to discount those things when you've written them down and you see them start to connect, which allows you to really build a relationship with your intuition. You're flexing that muscle on a regular basis. So that's where I would tell you to start specifically because of the information that you get me now what about okay so that's interesting because what you yeah what you just said is super interesting so I gave you one piece of the puzzle by saying you know I I, I sometimes get that gut feeling mm-hmm. based from some of your other clients like what, what is their piece of the puzzle like I thought that everybody kind of has that like gut feeling and I thought that was your intuition but are there other things that it, it could be like are there other ways that you could be that your in- intuition could be speaking to you Um, So for instance, a lot of my clients who maybe have already been doing some of this work will ask me, is this fear or intuition? Is this me being scared or is this intuition? And that's a really common practice for a lot of the women that I work with where they're like, okay, I'm getting these messages. So say for instance, they've already recognized like you have that they get these gut feelings, but then they're also getting quote unquote gut feelings that are fear-based that are like, oh, I shouldn't do that. Or, oh, I'm not going to be able to accomplish that. Or, oh, that's too big of a goal for me. And so then we start to deal with pulling intuition apart from other sensations. And then I would go into, okay, what feels expansive? Because intuition is always going to to feel expansive. Even what, what when does that mean exactly? So expansive as in it's going to feel good. It's going to feel opening. It's going to feel uplifting. Like envision your face lifting to the sun. You know when you go outside and it's a beautiful day and you close your eyes and you lift your face to the sunshine and it it elevates you. It expands you. It feels like you're actually elevating vibration. Like you just feel better that moment than the moment you were inside before the sun hit your face. Okay. So that's what I want to start addressing with them. I'm like, does this hit, this gut feeling, feel expansive in this way? Or does it feel fear-based? And does it feel like it's pulling you down, closing you down, asking you to do something smaller or less or less aligned with self? Because a lot of women are hearing fear on a regular basis. I don't find that to be intuition very often. I find that intuition is extremely expansive, extremely opening. It's always trying to point you in the direction of what is best for you, of what is more for you, of what is closer to your desires for you. So it's not going to be based off fear. Even people who say things like, 
oh, I just knew not to walk down that street at night. It felt better to go the other way. So it's not that we're following the fear. It's that we're following what is better. So starting to shift between intuition and fear-based gut sensations is another big facet of dealing with the intuitive muscle. Yeah. So if someone has a feeling like, oh, I, I shouldn't have gone down that, you know, street at night, but they did anyways, is that like how, I think that's the hardest thing is differentiating fear from intuition. Like what if their intuition was right that like it was bad, are you supposed to act on like, okay, if my, if I have a bad feeling about it, just go the other way. Like, is that, is that what you're saying? I would ask yourself what feels better. So if that's, you have three options of where you're going, or maybe that's, oh, I'm taking an Uber, I'm driving myself, or, oh, that's, you know, I'm going to take public transportation or an Uber, like what feels better? And and like asking yourself that question, instead of letting the fear guide you, I'd be like, okay, what feels more aligned? What feels more expansive instead of what do I fear most? And then do the opposite of that, but like what feels better? So yes, I know sometimes we make these decisions based off of like, oh, I don't really want to spend the money on an Uber. But like, if the safety of that feels much better than like walking down that street or taking public transportation late at night, you go with that. Those types of sensations. Yeah. Intuition from fear. Like what feels better? What feels expansive? What feels good? What feels aligned for you? Okay. So it's all about shifting your mindset and the way that you look at it and being more self-aware. Yes. Because the main focus, like the main goal is to start to align and make all your decisions and allow your mind to be in the place of what it is that you want, not what it is that you don't want. Because your mind can't differentiate between the words do and don't. Your mind doesn't understand the negative. So like the pre-programming and the subconscious that we have does not understand, I don't want debt. It just feels debt and aligns with debt and calls more debt in. So instead of thinking about debt, you want to think about there's always more coming in than going out. I'm so abundant. I'm so prosperous. All these amazing opportunities come to me so that you're constantly calling in what it is that you want. Instead of worrying about the things that you don't want, you're creating the vibration of the things that you don't want. So what would you tell someone who is I'm sure you see a lot of people who are absolutely not self-aware. What is the first step that you would tell someone to take to become self-aware? We want to acknowledge our own thoughts. So we have so many thoughts every day and the majority of them are negative, but if they're happening without your conscious awareness, we can't work on that. So I can give you as many steps, as many practices, as many rituals. I can give you all the journal prompts and I could, I could give you the magic answers, but if you're not able to implement them, if you're not able to have those internal dialogues with self, if you're not able to like put the work into your own life, it doesn't matter if like I etched out the answer to the universe on a marble plaque and sent it to you. So it's really starting to go inward having that dialogue with self, communicating with yourself consciously, and starting to just become aware of the thoughts that you're having. Become aware of the feelings that you're feeling and become aware of the things that you're not thinking and not feeling. How can, and I think that that's really interesting. And it's, I think, like you said earlier, like journaling it or writing it down and 
keeping track of, of those gut feelings or whatever it is that you're feeling. And it helps to put things together. I feel like that helps to get people organized. And I totally agree that you have to be actually willing to take that first step because if you're not, you can listen to this episode or you can listen to, you know, whoever's listening to this, to this can listen to Lindsay and, and, you can listen, but until you take action, nothing's going to happen. But I thought that that was really good advice that you gave about actually writing it down and connecting the dots. And I want to go back to that really quickly. You said something about numbers. And in my family, we have this thing. It's my, my mom started it, and she's probably going to listen to this too. But it's with the number 27. And we see the number 27 everywhere. My mom was born on the 27th. My aunt was born on the 27th. My grandma was born on the 27th. And I always thought, you know, subconsciously, because we're always thinking, you know, 27, 27, we're more likely to see it in so many places. And then I started learning about this. I don't know much about it. So I don't know the correct terminology, but about numbers that it's actually a sign of something. So what does that mean? If someone keeps seeing the same numbers over and over again, is it that they're, you know, they just they're thinking about it so often that they're more likely to attract those numbers. Like I can't even tell you the amount of times my, my mom said, Oh, I just saw a license plate with 27 or, or, Oh, I'm in the hotel room 27 or, Oh, I'm number 27 in line. Like, what does that mean? So um, a myriad of things. So yes, specific numbers do have specific meanings, but you can also create one of these numbers for yourself, which your mother has done. Like 27 is her number. And then she's also like given that to you guys. So that could be just her message from the universe being like, you're on the right path. Or we could look into what two and seven mean separately. And then what they mean when you like pull them down. So say for instance, 27 actually reduces to a nine. So we could look at those meanings and see if that's aligned for her but really that's like the way that she's communicating with the world around her where it's telling her like hey you're being conscious hey you're being aware and yes as soon as we start to look for things just like I'm saying you want to focus on what it is that you want if she wants to see 27 you focus on 27 and you see 27 so it's an affirmation right. of you really are the conscious creator in your life like you're conjuring those things you're allowing those things into your world you're receiving those things and every time she sees that it makes her feel good so every time she feels good from that number her vibration goes up which calls more good things into her life is that like it's the law of attraction yep part of the law of attraction just part of the law of like being human like if you think about frequency and vibration the like attracts like so the better you feel and the more often you feel good the more good you're calling in right and the worse you feel and the more negative you are the more negative things come into your life and I think a lot of people think that the law of attraction is just positive thinking but can you explain a little bit you know what the law of attraction actually is Definitely. Because I do definitely see where people are like, okay, so I just like don't deal with anything and just like think positive thoughts. So the law of yeah. attraction is really showing you that like you are the driving force in your life. Like you are the magnetic piece. So we are all vibrating energy. So vibrating energy draws similar energies to itself. 
So just like the law of gravity, which on this planet we can't get away from, like what you think about, what you conjure in your mind, what you spend your time reading about and watching TV about and listening to is what's going to show up in your life. And a lot of us are really unaware of the amount of time that we're spending thinking about specific things. So thinking about what kind of music you listen to and what the people around you are saying and doing and what imagery you're constantly seeing in the back of your head and what thoughts you're having, that's what's creating the life around you. So if you want to change your life, you change what it is that you're thinking, what it is that you're believing, what it is that you're feeling, what it is that you're constantly feeding yourself, and the output changes. I think that's so interesting. And I think when we first spoke, you you had mentioned you were like, oh, I'm watching The Secret on, on Netflix. Was That was you, right? Yep. I love The Secret. And I feel like if anybody wants to get a head start and look into, you know, what the law of attraction is, they should definitely check out the book, The Secret, or if you're not a reader, which like I personally highly suggest reading, but there's the documentary on Netflix. And it's actually, I don't know if you read the, the book, Lindsay, but it's the exact same thing. They just, I don't know if they like recorded the documentary and then did the book, but um, it's the same thing. And it, it changed my life. And a lot of people really struggle with taking that first step and changing their thoughts. But it's a matter of getting into a better habit and taking it slowly and one step at a time, in my opinion. So what, like, do you believe in, would you suggest, you know, if someone wanted to get started with the law of attraction to start shifting their mindset to be able to be more in tune with, you know, themselves and their intuition, what practices aside from journaling, would you recommend? Like I'm a big believer in vision boards and, and journaling too, but what would you suggest? Or do you suggest something totally different besides vision boards? Like, would you suggest, you know, Reiki or what you tell me your expert advice? Awareness. Awareness is the first piece because without knowing what it is that you're thinking, what it is that you're feeling, what it is that you're putting in, it's really hard to change the output. So you kind of want to get an idea of where you are right now before you can start to shift that. And then shifting that can be different for different people. So vision boards might be great for one person because they're very visual. And so like seeing the picture of their dream house gives them this feeling, tells them this whole story, which brings up this whole vibrational experience where for someone else, maybe recording the process of that technically of getting their new house of like, okay, I hired, you know, a real estate agent and they showed me four amazing properties and it had everything that I wanted. And it was in this area, maybe hearing themselves saying that gets them into that feeling, gets them into that vibration. And maybe other people want to research, you know, that those houses are really out there. So they go on that website and they're like, oh, okay, there are actually 10 houses in that area that meet that criteria. And that realistic research does that for them. So adapting per person and really trying out different things and building your toolbox, I like to say, so that then when you have your next goal, you're like, okay, vision board worked really well for me or journaling worked really well for me or mindfulness meditation really supported that process. But it's finding a way to actually shift your frequency, your vibration. So it's not just the static saying of like, I'm getting a new house, but with no right. feelings, with no change. It's we really want to conjure the feelings. We want to conjure the vibrational shift of like, if I had just put my offer in and it was accepted one minute ago, and that was my new house and I was moving in, 
and it truly was mine, how would I feel? What would my life be like in getting into that vibration? So that might be words for one person, that might be sound for another, that might be picture for someone else. It might be a beautiful combination of all of those for someone else. It's really finding what works for you and trying out different things and then blending those things together to achieve that goal for yourself. I think that that's, that's so true. And I, I've applied that to my life. I'm when I, I meditate, you know, once or twice a day. And while I'm meditating, sometimes I just let the thoughts go through my mind and I focus on deep breathing and other times I do visualization, but it's not just like that. I visualize my life. It's that I visual, I feel I visualize my life while I feel what it will feel like. So it's almost like I go into this other world of me in the future and living the life that I want and doing the things that I want, but I actually feel it. And I think that's what people forget about the law of attraction is what you said with the feeling, like you actually have to feel it. It's not, it's not just thinking positive. It's actually feeling that you, as if you already have it be, because you then, I believe that you subconsciously make decisions that get you closer to that. I don't know if you agree with that or not. Oh, 100%. It changes everything. It changes your subconscious. It changes how you perceive the world. It changes how you interact with the world. It changes what you're open to, what you believe you can have, which changes your experience, which allows you to get the things that you desire. Right. And I I have one more question about your intuition, actually, because there's a lot of people who deal with anxiety. How can you use your intuition or spirituality to heal and cope with anxiety, for example, kind of going back to to that. Definitely. Well, anxiety is really a preoccupation with what's coming. And so utilizing the intuition and really working, I find with mindfulness in the present moment really supports anxiety because it helps you shift from being so focused on what's going to happen in the future, coming back into the present coming back into faith, coming back into trust, really focusing on that vibration, doing different processes, maybe breath work, maybe mindfulness meditation, maybe chanting, maybe mantra. There are so many different things that you can do. When you get back into your physical body, when you get back into your present moment, you cannot be anxious if you are present. And so shifting out of that, oh, I'm living in the future or, oh, I'm living in the past, which a lot of times presents as, um, like a more depressive state, those shifts coming back to center, coming back to presence, being aligned and aware and intentional and mindful. And in this moment really help a lot of people to combat anxiety and depression and support them in whatever their process is. And some people that is in conjunction with medication, because of course we don't want to denounce, you know, like true chemical imbalances. But a lot of times I have had so many clients who have had amazing results with working with, say for instance, breath work or working with a Kundalini practice or working with a mindfulness meditation and allowing themselves to become consciously aware of like, okay, my mind is skipping 10 steps down the road of like, what could happen? Shifting that question from here's all the things that could go wrong to here's all the things that could go right. And again, when you're thinking about things, you're calling them into your physical reality. So if you're spending time worrying about things you don't want, you're spending time manifesting things that you don't want. So consciously shifting into spending time calling in things that you do want and then being very present and coming back to this moment. Yeah, and br- and this brings everything full 
circle because, you know, I feel like with, if you want to attract what you want in your life, you have to learn how to cope with your anxiety. And I feel like being mindful and, and remaining in the present is a really good solution. And that's super valuable because once you're able to do that, you can then take the next step to attract achieve the things that you actually want in life by putting out good energy. And I'm a big believer in, you know, focusing on where you want your energy to go so that you can get good things back. So, uh, but I do deal with a lot of anxiety and I try to use my intuition and, you know, meditation to steer away from that, but it can, it can be very challenging and it isn't easy. And um, before we recorded this, I actually had a couple people ask because I, I put out some questions and they wanted to know, you know, if they're just starting out this process of trying to shift their mindset and get more into spirituality and in tune with their intuition and, you know, attract what they want into their life, how long does it typically take for the average person? Or is that something that they shouldn't even focus on? I wouldn't really focus on the time frame because that's like giving yourself Uh, a benchmark so then if you do hit it or you don't hit it it's kind of changing your reaction to it I think really focusing on how it is that you're feeling and how you're getting connected is the most important like are you feeling good so say for instance if you try journaling or if you try breath work or if you try meditation are you feeling good is this helping is this expansive is this connecting for you versus like oh have i hit this certain goal by this certain time so potentially trying three things for you know maybe you try three things for three minutes a piece for a week and you're like okay at the end of a week and that's only what like under 10 minutes a day at the end of a week you decide which one feels the best and then for the next week you do just that thing and you focus on just that thing for a few minutes a day and you allow it to make you feel really good feel really aligned and call beautiful things into your life and then you choose if you want to expand do I want to do more time on that do I want to deep dive into that a little bit more do I want to add one of the other things back in And you just allow that governing basis of does it feel good? Is it expansive? Is this elevating me to be that compass? Yeah, that's that's really great advice. And I actually want to bring this back to you because you have such an incredible story and you've overcome so many obstacles and you've, you know, taken on so much in your life. And you mentioned, you know, various natural healing methods that you personally use to overcome obstacles. So I want to know which, which specific natural healing methods did you use to overcome your obstacles after your upbringing and after you left college and, and even during college, what were some of the most beneficial for you? Well, meditation is a huge part of my practice and something that like I, I, it's been a long time since I've done a day without meditation. I'm sure there, there's one, in the midst sometime recently that I'm just not remembering. Maybe a day I slept in really late, but I meditate very, very frequently. And it's a huge part of my personal practice and has really changed my life. So meditation for sure. Sound therapy is huge for me as well. I work with like singing bowls. I work with frequency attunement. I've also been working with a friend who does toning and I've been really loving experiencing her work, um, Erin Eber. So if any of you guys are interested in toning, she's phenomenal. And I've really loved that. I do a lot um, with musical therapy. I've really, really loved ayahuasca. So working with plant medicine has been a huge part of my life and in my personal transformation. 
I do quite a bit of work with the lunar cycles and a lot of divine feminine work. So a lot of working with my second chakra, with getting connected to my femininity, to learning what flow really is and stepping into that divine feminine, divine balance has been huge for me. I also work with Reiki. I work with tarot cards. I work with crystals. I work with all different types of tools. And it's constantly blending and changing and allowing myself to work in different ways for what I need at that moment. That makes sense. That may, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I guess you can't technically stick to I mean, maybe for some people, but one specific thing. But um, I think it's good to have different options and different tools for different situations. And I actually am curious about meditation because I I never used to be into meditation. And I talk about this a lot. But um, a couple of years ago, I started meditating and it's changed my life. So how how long do you meditate each day? And how long did it take you to get into meditation? Um, I dove into meditation pretty easily back in college and then it got much deeper post-college. I now meditate and mind you, I'm pregnant right now. So I'm really like kind of going into that hermit phase. I meditate probably over an hour every day, sometimes even more than that. I'm, my meditation game is, is strong and deep because I'm doing at least a 30 minute pregnancy meditation. And then if there's anything that I'm personally working on, for instance, I've been doing a third eye meditation very frequently. So I will a lot of times couple those two. So I'm doing like 30 minutes of pregnancy meditation. I'm doing like 30 minutes of third eye meditation. And then I'll do like tandem meditations with people I'm working with or friends. I'll do guided meditations with a lot of my clients. I'll do a lot of sound therapy in my work. So I find that that's an extremely beneficial meditation practice for myself as well. Because anytime I'm leading a meditation, I'm also getting that benefit. Yeah, no, no, that definitely makes sense. And what is third eye meditation for those who don't know? So the third eye is one of our chakras. So one of our energy systems, just like we have a musculature system and we have a blood system, we also have an energy system. And one of the specific areas is in the center of the forehead and it's called the third eye. And it's really the center for intuition. So you can describe that as seeing without sight, the intuitive process that we've been talking about, those gut feelings, the knowing, the messages that you're getting. So I do quite a lot of work with my third eye, opening that up, giving me access to my own intuition, allowing that voice to come through clearer, allowing myself to get into a deep meditative space where we're on the same frequency, where we can communicate really well. And I find that I just, I download so much from working with my third eye. That's interesting. I I think that a lot of people can take away a lot of really good insight from this. And I want to end this with some with another piece, one last piece of advice from you. What do you want everyone to take away from this episode? You are intuitive. I get that question all the time. Like, am I intuitive? Like, can you check me? And I'm like, I don't need to check you. You are intuitive. Like everyone is intuitive. It's just like everyone has natural capabilities at the gym. So everyone who goes to the gym is capable of doing work at the gym, but you can find the things that really work for you. So say for instance, someone who really loves running and someone who really loves rock climbing, They might not take to the same activity the same, but when they find the activity that really works for them or multiple activities, they're like, oh my God, I've been looking for this thing. 
intuition is very much like that. So that might be meditation or journaling. It might be sensory deprivation or working with crystals or sound therapy or light therapy, or maybe you're a natural born tarot card reader and messages just jump out through the cards to you. But like exposing yourself to these different practices is just like exposing yourself to different foods. You find the things that really light you up and allow you to get deeper into your own intuition. So I want everyone to take away the fact that you are intuitive and there are ways where you can step more fully, more deeply, more passionately into that and it will change your life. You can run your business. You can allow that to move through your relationships, your partnerships, your parenting style. Utilizing your intuition changes everything. What percentage would you say your intuition is right? Um. When I listen to it, it's always right. It's whether or not I'm listening to it and I'm letting other things get in the way or putting in my own preconceived notions on it or pulling it back or making it be smaller or like second guessing it. But my intuition is never wrong. It's just sometimes I'm human and I might interpret it wrong. Hmm. That, I, I think this has been absolutely incredible. And I just want to thank you so much, Lindsay, for being here and for being open and honest in this episode and sharing such incredible value. It means the world to me. But before we leave, would you let everyone know where they can find you? I'm going to link all of your information in the show notes, but there are a lot of people who don't look at the show notes and I want to make sure that they don't miss that. (laughs) Definitely. Um, The main place that I am is on Instagram and on Facebook. So my handle on Instagram is our and R. So O-U-R-A-N-D-A-R-E. On Facebook, I do have a private Facebook group. So if you would like to join me, I'd love to have you there. It's just facebook.com slash group slash hour and R. And then my website is hourandr.com. You can definitely check in with me there. Feel free to shoot me a direct message if you have questions about any of these. I know when you hear the, oh, it's different for everyone or, oh, we'd want to customize it for you. The first question is, but what about me? What would I specifically do? So if you have questions, if you want to start that dialogue, I would love to have you in our private Facebook group, on Instagram. I'll definitely be posting about this. So we'll continue these conversations together and help everyone develop their intuition. That sounds amazing. Thank you so much again, Lindsay. I had a blast and I cannot wait to make a difference together. Mm, Same here, girl. I'm so excited about this one.